0: This is cliche, but I've never been one to really believe in ghosts or the supernatural. I think this is important to note because I want you to know just how real this event was to me. It's the one event that I haven't been able to blame on the wind or my eyes playing tricks on me or being so tired that I just heard things. It wasn't any of that. When I was 12 years old, I had a sleepover planned at my best friend's house for a Friday night. Let's call her Kelly. I'll explain the layout of the room we were in because it'll be important later. Kelly lived in a pretty big house, but we always slept in the downstairs living room so that we wouldn't wake her parents upstairs, as we usually stayed up pretty late. This living room was huge. On one side were two big couches, a TV, and a pool table. On the other side, about 20 feet away, was a bookshelf with these big glass cabinets. There wasn't really much in it. It had what looked like really old files from her dad's job. I had seen some cool books in it a few weeks back, but Kelly told me the bookshelf cabinets are always locked because her dad says there's important paperwork in there. So anyway, after watching some movies and talking, it's about midnight and I go to the upstairs bathroom to brush my teeth while Kelly sets up some blankets on the couches. As I'm brushing them, I look into the mirror and I see into the big glass shower. Through the reflection, I then see a shadow and it startled me because it was a lot darker than a shadow anything else in the room could have made. More specifically, I could clearly see the outline of a little boy. There were no features, it was just transparent but somehow still unmistakable despite this. It didn't feel threatening though In fact, I felt somehow safe, but I was still freaked out. I then whip my head around, and of course nothing's there. I shake it off and then look back into the mirror. Nothing. I take out my contacts and look back up, and there it is again. Same exact place as before, but still clear despite my not so great vision. I'm officially as terrified as a 12-year-old can be, and decide to leave my stuff in the bathroom and just deal with it in the morning. I run down the stairs and tell Kelly what I saw. I won't lie. I then started crying as I told her. I was trying so hard not to make a big deal over a little shadow, but it looked so real to me. I must have been making quite a commotion because Kelly mom comes down the stairs to see what was going on. She says she saw a shadow in the bathroom. Kelly says to her mom, Without missing a beat, Kelly's mom looks at me with a distant look in her eyes. In the shower? She says. I nod. Uh, did it look like a boy? We both say in unison. My face is white, and her mom then says. I've seen it before as well. Nothing to worry about. And she just goes upstairs. She doesn't try to comfort me. She just goes upstairs as quickly as she came down. Well, needless to say, I couldn't really sleep that night. I must have dozed off sometime around 2 a.m. because at 3 a.m. I then awoke to a loud banging noise. It sounded like it came from right next to me. I didn't have the courage to investigate, so I got fully under my blanket and then went back to bed. I woke up the next morning before Kelly and looked down next to me almost completely forgetting what had happened the night before. Now, on the floor by my head was a really huge photo album, just laying there, open. I look over at the bookshelf, and the cabinets are now wide open. I guess they weren't always locked, like Kelly said. The album was opened up to a page with a single photo on it, that of a little boy looking really happy and sitting on a set of swings. It hadn't clicked for me yet. At breakfast, I told Kelly's mom, and she said she was certain that there was no way that album could have fallen 20 feet over to me in the middle of the night. She looks at the photo, and her face goes white. But who is that? I ask. Kelly's mom then softly says, That's my brother. He died when he was six. I'm 15 now. But when the story happened, it was on my 8th birthday. My mom invited her friend over for the party, and her friend brought her kids. Let's call them Sally, Billy, and Lily. Fast forward to after the party had ended, when me, my siblings, Sally, Billy, and Lily, were having a sleepover. We were all watching a horror movie. I think it was Nightmare on Elm Street, but I can't really remember for sure. When I then said I wanted to play hide and seek with them. Apparently everyone else was just as bored as I was with the movie because they all jumped up at the idea and we played rock paper scissors to see who would be the seeker. My oldest brother Charlie ended up being the seeker and he went down the hall to go count in the bathroom. To understand this story fully, I'll explain how the house was built. When you walk into the house through the front door, you immediately see the first stairway to your left. Once you go up the stairs, To your right on your left is the room where we were watching the movie in, which was my brother Justin's room, and my sister Charlene's room was straight forward. You turn left on the stairs, and you'll see my room on the right side. And if you turn left, you'll see my mom's room. You keep going down the hall and turn right, and you'll see three doors and another stairway. If you go straight, you'll reach the lining closet, and the stairway is left of it. You go back and turn left, you'll see two doors one to the left, and one straight ahead. The one to the left was Charlie's room, and the door straight ahead was the bathroom he was counting in. Now going back stairs to the front door past the stairway, you can either go straight or left. If you go straight, you'll be in the living room, and if you go left, you'll see two doors, one straight ahead, and then one left of you. The one on the left of you was a random room that was under the stairs, and the one ahead of you led to the second living room that we really didn't have anything in. If you keep going, there's a doorway to your left that leads to the dining room. Once you're in the dining room, there's a door to your left, which is the side door that went outside, and the one to your right leads to the kitchen. If you go into the kitchen, you'll see four doorways, one to your left as soon as you walk in that leads to a patio-type thing. Turn right and walk to the farthest wall, and you'll reach the second bathroom. From the second bathroom, You go straight to the third floor, which leads to the basement. Then you turn right, and there's a second stairway leading back upstairs. We also had an attic as well, but to go there you have to go through the upstairs bathroom. Anyways, Charlie went to go count in the bathroom while the rest of us went to go hide. I ran downstairs and I decided to hide behind the couch. I was a dumb eight-year-old kid. Now, at the time, one of my uncle's friends named Scott was staying with us and he was on the couch drunker than ever. He wasn't really bothering any of us though, so it didn't really matter. I remember watching Lily come downstairs looking for a hiding spot, and she came to hide with me for some reason. And she came to hide with me for some reason. I didn't really think much of it since I thought that this hiding spot was a really genius place to hide at. Once Charlie was done counting, he came to look for everyone. I also forgot to mention that we were playing hide and seek in the dark so I guess that makes the story scarier. Anyways, Charlie quickly started finding everyone and I was still just squatting behind the couch with Lily when all of a sudden, Scott started laughing hysterically for some reason and then pointed at the ceiling. He then started saying something loudly. I can't really remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of, Oh, look at that. They're coming to get you. They're all coming to get you. I was confused and kind of scared all at the same time because of this, and I'm guessing Lily noticed because she put her hand on my shoulder, then saying, You'll be okay, Sierra. It'll all be okay. I got even more scared hearing her talk because her voice sounded distorted. I don't know. I went to look back at her and asked what was wrong with her voice, but then saw her hand. Her hand looked really bony, and it was a pale color. This really concerned me because Lily at the time was a plus-size black girl. I looked at what I thought was her, but then seen something really horrific. I saw some kind of gremlin-looking thing with really big facial features. Its black eyes, ears, and mouth were giant, and didn't look like they even fit on the thing's face properly. I screamed. I screamed so loud and then instantly jumped over the couch trying to get the fuck away from whatever that thing was. Obviously, Charlie heard me and then came in the room watching as I ran back upstairs away from that thing. The thing literally chased me until I ran back into Justin's room, slamming the door shut. Everyone came back in the room and asked me what happened, and I told them what I had seen. According to Lily, she hadn't even gone into the living room at all for that round. She was with Charlene hiding in the dining room under the table, and according to Charlie, he didn't see anything chasing me up the stairs. Justin all of a sudden started freaking out, and Charlie asked him what was wrong, and he then told everyone to look at my back. I tried looking at my back, and I had seen a lot of red on my salmon-colored shirt, wondering what it was. Charlie lifted up my shirt, and seen four huge scratch marks going from my right shoulder to the left side of my back. It was weird because, at first, I didn't even feel the blood or scratches on my back, but then it started stinging really badly, and I started crying. Charlene then asked me if I still wanted to play hide and seek, but of course I didn't. I was way too scared so I told them to just keep going without me and that I'd just stay in the room we were in. Justin volunteered to stay there with me so that I wouldn't get scared again and everyone else went to go play another round. Justin was about to bring me to the bathroom to clean the cuts out until he stopped outside the bedroom door. By this time everyone had already found a hiding spot So when he told me someone was sticking their head out of Charlie's bedroom, it was a bit weird. I walked into the hallway and looked and seen the head going back into the room. The head was just pure white. It kind of looked like it was glowing. Also, the hallway light was on outside the bathroom for some reason, and that's why we were able to see it. From what my brother saw, he said it didn't have any facial features and it had a really narrow neck. It couldn't be any of us because no one in the house was tall and skinny like that thing was. As soon as I saw the thing, I then screamed again and ran back in the room. Once again, everyone came rushing back in, asking what happened. This time Justin told them and asked Charlie if it could have been him, but he said that he hadn't even gone in his room. Everyone then agreed that we'd all just stay in one room for the night and just continue watching movies until we fell asleep minus when my sister brought me to the bathroom to clean the blood off my back and then had me change the now blood-covered shirt i was wearing it was hard to get sleep that night because of how much the scratches hurt but eventually i did in the morning my sister brought me back in the bathroom to see if my cuts were bleeding anymore and they weren't but only because they were no longer there like they had totally disappeared off of me as if they were never there to begin with in conclusion I'm so happy that I no longer live in that house. I moved out when I was going into the fifth grade and gladly the house is now abandoned. I never did find out what the hell that thing was and I don't know if I want to, but it's definitely one of the craziest and scariest things that's ever happened to me. Hey everyone. Apologies for the interruption on the stories, but I wanted to thank today's sponsor, Acorn TV. While TV's been a saving grace for many of us, I'm sure by now a lot of you feel like you're caught up on every single show imaginable. If you're tired of scrolling through the same old movies and shows or miss the excitement of weekly releases and brand new binge fests, then you have to get Acorn TV. Acorn TV is the largest commercial-free British streaming service that features compelling stories, exclusive premieres, and originals that you won't find anywhere else. With Acorn TV, there's always something new to discover. It has hundreds of exclusive shows from all around the world, including award-winning mysteries, dramas, and comedies, and so much more. One show in particular that I've been enjoying myself on Acorn TV is Manhunt. It's a true crime series about a lead detective on a case that involves a young French woman's murder in London. The investigation yields no forensics motive or witnesses, but when the detective connects the crime to two other murders, he realizes he must hunt down a serial killer. They've also got many other true crime shows just like this one. So definitely check it out if you're into that kind of stuff. If you're ready for a streaming service that offers new stories, new characters, and breathtaking sceneries every week, Do what I did and get Acorn TV. Try Acorn TV free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and use my promo code cannibal, but you have to enter the code in all lowercase letters. That's acorn.tv, code cannibal to get your first 30 days for free. I was 16 at the time of this story. I had recently gotten my license and I was really enjoying the freedom of being able to drive myself wherever I wanted. I'm older than most of my friends, so I was the only one in our group to have my license during this time. Because of this, I would often spend my weekends driving around town with my friends, Brooke and Mackenzie, before eventually spending the night at one of their houses. This particular Saturday was no different. I made some plans to pick up Brooke and Mackenzie sometime in the later afternoon to drive around and go shopping and eat at fast food places. Then we planned on spending the night at Brooke's house since her parents were out of town. So when the time finally came, I picked up my friends and we had a really great time. Shopping in stores and eating some really good junk food, then eventually went to Brooke's to spend the night. We spent a couple of hours hanging out in Brooke's basement, eating more junk food and drinking soda while listening to music. After a while, my stomach began to hurt, so I got up to use the bathroom. Now, Brooke's basement didn't have a bathroom, so I had to go to the one upstairs. The moment I sat down to do my business, I immediately felt uneasy from the window next to me that looked out into the pitch black night sky. I planned on finishing up and getting back downstairs as soon as possible to be back with the others. Then a few seconds later, my worst nightmare came true. I heard a slight tapping on the window from the outside. I froze in fear. I didn't want to scream to give myself away. I really wanted to get up and just run back down to the basement. But unfortunately, I was still in the process of doing my business. All the junk food came back to bite me. I was trembling with fear, trying to finish as soon as I could. I also realized that I'd left my cell phone down in the basement, so I couldn't even text any of the others. I heard the tapping again on the window right behind me. I wasn't able to see anything due to how dark it was outside. I finally had some luck when I heard Brooke knock on the bathroom door and then say something along the lines of, Hey, hurry up. I have to go real bad. I tried to shush her from the other side of the door without being too loud myself. Just then, the tapping then happened for a third time. I was basically crying at this point from fear. By some miracle, I think Brooke caught on a little to what was actually happening due to my quiet shush followed by the tapping on the window. I finally finished up and then jumped from the toilet and out the door, being very careful to not make any noise. I decided to leave the light on to not give away my position to whoever was out there. When I left the bathroom, I grabbed Brooke and I shushed her, then practically pulled her back down to the basement, locking the door behind me. We got back down to the basement where I explained to Brooke and Mackenzie what had happened. They both seemed really freaked out, but luckily they both believed me. I should also mention that Brooke is an only child, so the Tapping couldn't have been any siblings and her parents were out of town on a vacation, so we knew it wasn't them either. We were still freaked out, but we decided to forget about it and just continue with our night, eventually falling asleep. At some crazy off hour of the night, We were all then awoken by some pounding from somewhere upstairs. Again, I was able to keep from screaming as to not give myself away, but the other two were not. They both began screaming and hysterically crying, which gave up any hope of hiding our locations. The banging stopped, and we eventually settled down a little bit. We decided to all walk upstairs and then look outside to see if anyone was there. We got to the top of the steps and walked together to the kitchen window, then peered out. At first, we didn't see anything until we saw a dark figure of a man jump up face to face with us with just the glass window separating us. It was way too dark to get any description of the man, but we were 100% sure we all saw him. We all screamed and then booked it back downstairs, locking the door behind us. We had no idea who the man was or where he went after that. We called Brooke's parents in the morning, who came home prematurely from their vacation. We stayed down in the basement as long as we possibly could, until we had to come up to get food and use the bathroom. We have no clue what exactly happened that night, and it still really freaks us all out even to think about. Thank God we were smart enough to lock all the doors in the house that night, or who really knows what could have happened. Last weekend, I went to have a sleepover at my best friend's house. He had an older brother and a younger brother. Both of his parents were home. For some context, his parents had a security system. It obviously wasn't a good one. I had also stuck a knife in my backpack. I'm a very paranoid person, so it made me feel better to have a weapon. I woke up around 2.30am to go use the bathroom, then went back to bed. About 30 minutes later, I woke up to my friend's mom then screaming. Both my friend and I then shot up at the same exact time. I grabbed my backpack and dug for the knife. I shushed my friend and then got up to lock the door. I stood at the door with my knife. I told my friend to grab his phone and call 911. My friend's bedroom was directly across from his younger brother's room. We then heard his little brother start to scream. When I came out of his room, I saw his dad and older brother beating the hell out of this man with a baseball bat. I then ran in the room and started helping them. The man had also brought a knife. Not too long after, the police arrived and they arrested the guy. They also brought in an ambulance. His little brother actually got stabbed a few times. It was crazy. My friend called me yesterday and he told me that his little brother's out of the hospital now and he's doing much better. His parents also thanked me profusely for my help. Ever since this happened, I've always made sure that my doors and windows are securely locked. They've already given the man a sentence. He was charged with breaking and entering and attempted murder. He was given 20 years. I'm honestly really worried that when he gets out, he's going to strike my friend's house or my house again. But I'm really hoping that doesn't happen.